Uh, isn't it good to be together, Mosaic? Uh, we want to take a moment, and uh, we want to just open up the scriptures together, let them speak over us. And uh, it's important for you to know here at here at Mosaic, um, we don't we don't worship the Bible, we don't worship the scriptures, uh, we worship Jesus. Um, and so when we open the scriptures, we allow the scriptures to show us more of who Jesus is, more of who we are. And, and ultimately, all that we do, Mosaic, leads us to these tables up here. Because if there's anything that Jesus left us, uh, Jesus did not leave us a text full of words. Jesus left us his life. Uh, and so everything that we do as we gather together, as we worship together, moves towards these tables where we believe that Jesus is somehow present with us uh, and Jesus is sustaining our very lives. And as we leave this place, whatever it is that you're walking into, um, Jesus is the one who gives you life. Um, and in particular, we've been looking at this ancient letter written to the Colossians, uh, a church that was uh, in Laodicea, which is now modern-day Turkey. Uh, this was written to a new church. The Apostle Paul, who wrote this letter, uh, was about 100 miles away, probably in Ephesus. Uh, and he was imprisoned and he's hearing about the exciting things that are happening in this new church. And Paul presents to this church a reality that is enveloped in Jesus the Christ. And a reality that is enveloped in Jesus the Christ is a reality that is saturated in liberation and love. And so we're asking, what does it mean for us as a community to become more aware of this reality that is still present to us today? This reality that Jesus the Christ is king. And that as we live into this reality, we're living into liberation. We're living into love. And so there's all kinds of realities that we could choose to live into. We could choose to live into fear. We could choose to live into scarcity. We could choose to live into bondage. Um, we could choose to live into self-indulgence, all kinds of those things. A couple of weeks ago, as the letter opened, we looked and saw that um, Colossians 1.17, in him, in Jesus, all things hold together. And so Jesus has made this way for us to leave darkness and enter into this kingdom of light. And so these two worlds, the old world and this new world that Jesus has created, we're walking from one into the other. And regardless of what your past is, regardless of the hurt, the brokenness, the pain, whatever it is that's been a part of your life, much like the Japanese art form uh, in pottery known as kintsugi, and you can see it on the picture there, which has taken broken pottery and rather than discarding it, it's actually acknowledging that, no, this is being held together by something beautiful. They take lacquer, they take a, um, some gold dust, and they mix it with lacquer, and they actually show this off. And how our lives are a beautiful portrait of that, that in a lot of ways, our lives are a picture that Jesus is holding all things together, the past, the present, and the future. Last week, we looked as the letter continued that walking in Jesus means no power or authority has its right to impose itself on you. No power or authority has its right to impose itself on you. We are not living for the acceptance of others, nor are we living in battle with others. Isn't that a beautiful way to live life? 
And we said we don't have to live our lives like lobsters, right, who are constantly, like, battling for dominance. We looked at that picture. Like, we, do, we don't have to do that. We just get to walk in Christ. That's what Paul had encouraged the Colossians to do in chapter 2. Just as you live your lives in him, as you walk in him, be rooted in his love, established and built up. So the Colossians, were, were, they're, they're coming out of a world when this letter is being written. Uh, that was a religious civic pantheon, all right? Now, that's a big word, all right? They're coming out of a world that was a religious civic pantheon. A whole host of Greek and Roman gods were available to them, including the celebration of Rome itself, okay? Rome itself, the Roman Empire at this time, uh, had its own religious liturgies and worship services along with the space for all of the Greek and Roman gods. So a typical Sunday for someone living in the large ancient city of Colossae, which was a port city, and so lots of activity is happening there, lots of culture, a typical Sunday might look like this. Someone would have the freedom in this part of the Roman Empire to go and worship at their local temple. And they would go and worship at their local temple, and that temple might worship something of sex. That temple might worship something of war. That temple might worship something of money. But they could go and worship at their local temple to the deity that they chose to worship. And then if they wanted, they could then leave that temple, and they could maybe head over to, let's say, the local Colosseum, where two giants would be battling it out. And as the giants would battle it out, of course, the Roman Empire, before the big game would happen, would show all of its fanfare to the guests who were there at the local Colosseum. There would be a display of military might. There would be a display of how great it is to live in this culture where you can just indulge yourself. And hey, you do have religious freedom, too. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Does that not sound familiar? So these old ancient letters speak to us today, right? Where we have the opportunity and the freedom to go worship at our kind of religious temple that we choose. And then maybe we can leave this afternoon and we can kind of engage with the local coliseum or the local fanfare that's going on around us. And of course, there's a celebration of the empire. And don't forget, this empire, as long as it thrives, will make you happy and allow you to indulge in yourself. And so Paul is writing this letter, and he's saying, be careful what you orient your lives to. And so in Colossians chapter 2, verses 20 to 23, we're going to read these words. Now, before we do this, so what had happened is Judaism now had set itself up in the midst of this culture, all right, because people were, in the midst of that crazy, diverse culture of all of this happening, there's some people who were like, hold on, I just need something where, like, the lines are clear cut. All right, I need something where it's like, I know what to do, and I need somebody to tell me what to do, and maybe as long as I do it, then God will bless my life. And Judaism had kind of its own authority and structure that had kind of arisen in the midst of this. So you have 
the Roman Empire with its rulers and its authority, but then you also have Judaism and kind of its rulers and its authority and its structure and system. And so people really had just those two choices, but they were really just two sides of the same coin. They really were just kind of a way of, of kind of indulging in self. You could go over here the way of Rome and just indulge in whatever kind of self-desires were there, but also then Judaism offered this way of like, hey, come over here, follow these clear-cut lines, follow this system that we have developed for you, and um, basically it's a way of just kind of indulging yourself, kind of making yourself feel good. But they're just two sides of the same coin. So Paul says in Colossians 2, verses 22 through 23, if with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the universe... Another way that Paul could say it, you know, in the midst of the translation, Paul could say, if with Christ you died to the rudiments of the universe. Rudiments are just like the basic building blocks of the universe. Like, if with Christ you died to all of that, why do you live as if you still belonged to the world? Why do you submit to its regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. All these regulations refer to things that perish with use. They are simply human commands and teachings. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-imposed piety, humility, and severe treatment of the body. But they are of no value in checking self-indulgence. So I think what Paul is trying to say to us is this. Look, you can go this way, the ray of Rome, and you can just, like, try to make it work for you. You can strive to create that career and just kind of keep moving yourself forward and um, indulge yourself in all kinds of, like, worldly benefits. Um, but that's just a self-indulgence that really you're just going to kind of find yourself just submitting to that. And it's really just going to kind of get the best of you. Or, hey, you can leave that and you can go over here to this other religious system that had kind of set itself up in Judaism. And you can say, I've stepped away from that. And now I'm doing this whole religious thing over here. But this is really just another way of, like, indulging yourself, but just with all kinds of, like, piety and humility. And Paul is saying, maybe there's another way to engage our lives. Maybe there's another way to live. And so living in the reality of King Jesus, um, it's not a departure from a worldly self-indulgence into a spiritual self-indulgence. Paul's letting us know that we're not just leaving this to now go over here, but it's a journey into dying to self in order to truly receive life. Okay, this, this isn't about indulging ourselves in what the empire around us has to offer, nor is this about indulging ourselves in some type of, like, religious authority or structure. This is about learning how to die to self, learning how to unite ourselves with the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus so that we can truly bring life to the world around us. Paul then continues Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. He says, so, so if you have been raised with Christ, because remember, you've You've been united with Christ in his death. So if you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. 
For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, is revealed, then you also be, will be revealed with him in glory. Now, Mosaic, Paul is not giving us an ancient geography lesson here, okay? Set your minds on things above, not on things below, all right? So let, let's kind of get rid of, like, that very literal, literal kind of reading of this. Paul's not giving us this, this ancient geography lesson. What Paul is doing, and he, he's offering us a whole different orientation for our lives. Did, did you get that? He's offering us a whole different kind of orientation for our lives because you can orient your life to what the empire around you has created for you, which for a while may, may be a really like good thing, might feel really good. But in a sense, you'll just enslave yourself to it. Or you could orient your life to some type of like strong, powerful, authoritative religious system, which Paul is saying is really just another form of indulgence. But Paul's saying, no, I want you to orient your lives to Christ. There was the Roman way, there was the Roman way of life, there was the, the, the way of Judaism, but Jesus offers a whole third way. And that's what was beautiful about Christianity in its earliest forms. Christianity and in, in, in its movement offered a third way. It wasn't about orienting yourself to this, and it wasn't about orienting yourself to this, but it was orienting yourself to the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And ultimately, as Paul said, like, look, Christ is going to appear again, and when he appears with the full coming of his kingdom, then your life will actually be revealed to you. And so when you set your mind on things above, what you're doing is you're setting your minds on this reality that there is this whole other coming kingdom, and so there's no need to orient ourselves here, and there's no need to orient ourselves here. We orient ourselves here. This is the end goal. The end goal of any kind of religious system in Rome, the end goal was Rome itself. And I would even go so far to say that that kind of Religion, and yes, even Christian religion as we know it in America, the end goal is America. And if we orient ourselves to that, Paul's saying you're missing the mark. But if you orient yourself to some type of like rigid structure of some type of like authoritative religious system over here, then you're doing the same thing. But this is tempting to orient ourselves over here, you know, because for for the, the, the Pharisees who were leading Judaism at the time of Jesus, the Pharisees maybe would say things like this, hey, the Torah says it, I believe it, that settles it. Right? And even sometimes now in Christian religious systems, we can hear things like, well, the Bible says it, I believe it, that settles it. If it were only that clear. The reality is to, to orient ourselves to, to follow Jesus and what he's doing in the world Oh, guys, it's going to ask all of us in all kinds of ways to deny ourselves of self-indulgence of either kind. 
Paul says these, these, are, these are of no value in, in checking self-indulgence. Instead, set yourself on this coming kingdom and what Jesus wants to do in the world. Orient yourselves to this. Living in the reality of King Jesus is an orientation toward Christ-like formation. Jesus is coming in his kingdom one day, and your life is now hidden with Christ. And when Christ appears, your life will be revealed. And so there's something that God is doing that Christ is doing in your life now that you're discovering what it means to actually be a little Christ as you walk this earth. In Mosaic, it's easy to proclaim oneself a Christian in today's world. It's a whole other thing to orient yourself towards Christ-like formation in community with others. And that's our ultimate goal here at Mosaic, that we would orient ourselves in Christ-like formation in community one with another. What is Jesus desiring to bring about in my life? What kind of transformation? What kind of change? How is he asking me to empty myself of any kind of self-indulgence so that I can truly give and love and serve as Jesus did? This is what the kingdom that, yes, is in our midst now, but is fully coming. This is what it desires to bring about in our lives. This is why when we talk about Mosaic, we say these words. Mosaic Lincoln is a community following Jesus in practicing rhythms of grace to bring renewal to a weary and burdened world. Our desire is to come together as a people unencumbered, boy, that's a big word, by the cultural and religious expectations of our time. Now, what we're saying there is we don't desire to encumber ourselves in this kind of empire form of religion, and we don't desire to encumber ourselves in this kind of rigid structural system of religion. But instead, we live unencumbered and ask, what is Jesus doing in our midst right now, and how do we respond to it? Instead, we will focus on receiving and extending the grace of God. Is there another slide up there? Our hope is to work together, to cultivate safe spaces within our church family, our neighborhoods, and our shared networks where people can lean into each other's stories and experience the restoration of Jesus together. What is Mosaic all about? That's what Mosaic's all about. That's why we gather here, to lean into what Jesus is doing in our lives, one with another, and experience the restoration that Jesus desires to bring about. So when you come here, I don't know what you're bringing with you this morning. But perhaps in some way you can check, am I orienting myself in some way to life over here and therefore I'm stressed out, I'm distracted, I'm all over the place? Or am I orienting myself over here in some kind of like clean-cut, rigid religious system where the lines are clean and clear? Or am I orienting myself to what Jesus is doing in my midst right now? And maybe Jesus is operating on a far different time schedule than I am. Maybe Jesus is going to take me on a long journey that I didn't expect to see coming. So, what do we not orient ourselves to in order to undergo Christ-like formation? Well, obviously, we don't, we don't orient ourselves to this kind of life. We don't orient ourselves to this kind of life. But in particular, there, there's things that are happening right now in your life. That, that the kingdom and Jesus is longing to bring about some type of renewal and restoration in your life. I don't know what that is, but I can venture to guess that you can think of it right now. Maybe there's multiple things. 
What do we not orient ourselves to in order to undergo this Christ-like formation? Here's a few things I want to lay before us, Mosaic, before we come to these tables. Don't orient yourselves to a timeline. Whatever Jesus is desiring to bring about in your life right now, if you orient yourselves to a timeline, you will be disappointed. And you might miss out on a surprise. So just lay that down, whatever timeline that you have right now. Let's also not orient ourselves um, to expectations. But I thought it would play out this way. I thought it would play out this way. Um, Especially expectations that we may have for other people, right? Because if there's anything that we can expect, it's that people will not live up to our expectations, right? Um, And especially kind of religious systems like like this, if we orient ourselves to this, sometimes like, well, God, I'm doing all of these things. Wasn't I doing it right? And then we find that God didn't quite produce how we thought God was going to produce. That's why we don't orient ourselves to those kind of expectations. Don't orient yourself to self-indulgence of any kind. What do I mean by self-indulgence? The journey of being present to what Jesus wants to do in your life right now, the restoration that he wants to bring, the orientation toward him that he wants to bring, it's hard work. It's life-giving work, but it's hard work. And it doesn't initially offer the level of comfort that some other things do. And so it can be very easy to turn to a lot of comforts in our life, and we orient ourselves to the next comfort that's made available to us. This Tuesday night, actually, we're going to be having a story night at the Bay. When we have these story nights, we meet in the back room of the Bay. This Tuesday night, we'll be there at 7 p.m. But in particular, we're going to be talking about a practice that allows us to turn away from self-indulgence to actually becoming more aware of just staying on the journey of what Jesus is doing in our life. Jesus said, when you fast, fast like this. Fasting was a way of simply saying, hey, I'm just making space to become more aware of what Jesus is desiring to bring about in my life. So I want to invite you out this Tuesday night, commercial plug, all right? Back room of the bay, 7 p.m. Don't orient yourself to the next self-indulgence that's made available to you. And last but not least, don't orient yourself to constant activity and distraction. Being attentive is so necessary to orienting yourself to what Jesus is doing, to what the kingdom of God is desiring to do in your midst. What does this look like? This is what it looks like for me. It means that the first thing I do when I set my feet on the floor in the mornings, I actually pause and I just kind of dig my toes into the carpet in my bedroom. And it's a tangible way of me saying, I want to allow this tangible experience of just feeling this to be the realization that, Jesus, your kingdom is near. And I want to orient myself in this day to the presence of your kingdom. It just works for me. That's what I do. It's kind of a, it's, it's a moment of just waking up and saying, I choose today to orient myself to your kingdom. What this also means is times in the middle of the morning, times around lunch hour, times around middle of the afternoon, 
and sometime in the early evening, but also late evening. And by times, I don't mean long times, but I mean short times of actually pausing and becoming fully attentive to that, Jesus, your love is present with me in this moment, middle of the morning, lunchtime, middle of the afternoon. What do I need to kind of stop orienting myself to right now so that I can, in the midst of whatever I'm doing, orienting myself I can orient myself to the presence of your kingdom. Sometimes for me, it's simple one kind of one sentence prayers. Lord, I need you in this hour. That's one of them. We just sang it this morning. Lord, I need you in this hour. Another one, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me, a sinner. Another one, I have the tendency to drift. I have the tendency to orient myself to things that I shouldn't. All right, so whatever it is, you've got to develop these things in your life that allow you to orient yourself to the reality of this kingdom that's present with you. Mosaic, that's the journey that's before us. I want to invite the, the guys to lead us back um, in our last song. And as they do that, Mosaic, my hope for you is maybe that you might even open up this letter to the Colossians and just find yourself reading through it this week. That you might find yourself more and more coming to this realization that, man, there's this reality um, that is enveloped in just this liberating love of Jesus the Christ. And we want to come to these tables now as a way of just saying, Jesus, would you allow us to orient our lives to your life, to your kingdom? What do I need to turn from in order to turn toward you? Because Jesus, when he was with his disciples on that last night, he took bread and he gave thanks for it and he broke it. He said, this is my body given for you. And he took the cup and he said, this cup represents the new covenant in my blood, which is for you. Because this, this king who has surrounded us in this reality of liberation and love is a, is a forgiving king. He's a saving king. He rescues us from all of the things that we orient ourselves to that just lead us into bondage and slavery and death. Mosaic, I want to invite us to stand. And as we come to these tables together... Can we, um, can we pray this prayer on the screens together? Can we do this, uh, all of us together? We believe in God, the great sowist, who weaves us together in community, collecting our loose ends and turning them into belonging. We believe in the Holy Spirit, who hems us in before and behind, catching us when we fall and writing us into God's holy story. And we believe in Jesus Christ, who loved and claimed the people society had thrown out, refusing to disregard anyone as scrap. We believe God has woven part of God's self into the fiber of our being, making us inherently worthy of love and belonging. We believe the fabric of our lives are weak, that we are prone to error and need God's handiwork to remind us of love. We believe in the church and that, like a quilt of different fabrics, she is designed to be as diverse and beautiful as God's creation. And we believe that when life unravels, God is there to stitch our wounds together, 
to hold us in the palm of God's hand, to tell us of love, and to invite us into a new journey. Amen. Mosaic, when you're ready, come forward to these tables, take the bread, dip it into the cup, and allow this to be a moment of just reorienting your life to the work that Jesus is doing in your life right now. Laying aside timelines, laying aside expectations, laying aside self-indulgences, all of that, and reorienting our lives to Jesus, his presence, his love, his work in your life. Come when you're ready.